All right, I'm with you again. This is Antonio, Antonio the Mayor, D-A-M-A-Y-O-R. You can find me on Anchor FM. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on YouTube. Anywhere you find me, like it, subscribe. Dislike it if you don't, but subscribe. That way I know that you've been there and you're listening. I know that someone is listening. It's pretty anonymous. No one knows that you said thumbs down. No one knows that you said thumbs up unless you tell me. So just leave it there for me. This is to help me, not to hurt me. And on YouTube, when you subscribe, make sure you leave me a message down at the bottom and say, hey, uh, I like the show or whatever you want to say. If you want to be an upcoming guest, all you have to do is send me a message at BigDog0862 at me.com. Just send me a message at BigDog0862 at me.com. I also have a number that you can call in on. It's 785-307-4662. That's 785-307-4662. And you can call me there. You can leave a message or you can call and maybe I'll be there to talk to you or something like that. That way you can let me know if you want to be an upcoming guest, if you have a story to tell. This is all about experience, strength, and hope. What experience have you went through in your life? How did you gather strength and where's your hope right now? Where are you going with it? You know, where are you taking this right now? Where's your future? We don't want to live too much in the past. We want to look at the future as better things. I know a lot of things have happened to us in the past year or two, but hey, Let's look forward and see what God has planned for us. See what our things are going to be there waiting for us in the future. Uh, Today, I have a guest that's a very interesting guest. He's a good friend of mine. I've been knowing him for years. We work together. His name is Kristen James. Kristen is the LMSW. He's in the process of uh, becoming a clinical LMSW. And he has an undergrad in psychology and also an undergrad in family studies. And I think temporarily he's an LMAC. All of those L's, all of those M's, all of those C's, W's, and everything. Also have worked all over the state of Kansas, creating social changes in our neighborhood and helping those who need his help. So I want you to sit back and listen to Mr. Christian James. And don't forget to like me at the end when you're finished. I'm Tony the Mayor, and you have a good afternoon, evening, morning, depending on when you're listening to me. Thank you very much. Today I have Kristen James with me, the old time friend. We used to work together, case management together, I mm-hmm. think too, and stuff. So yep. I have Kristen James here. Kristen, tell me a little bit about yourself. So thirty years old. Um, just started working a little while ago doing a geriatric psychiatry as a social worker at a small psychiatric unit. Before that, I was running group homes in the state of Kansas for teen males in foster care and state custody. Um, I worked with DCF for quite a while, doing investigations for them. Worked with Mr. Timms over at uh, Pontiac Mental Health, doing case management. I've been a teacher. I've worked construction. I've been a maintenance man. I've been around the block. Did it all. Huh? Done it all. A lot of us have. <laughs> well, uh, what we're here today for, Christian, because this is Minority Mental Health Month. Somebody, some people call it BIPOC. They gave us another name of. <laughs> Uh, uh, black, indigenous people of color, you know, people of color, 
they might shorten it. People of color, mental health month. I didn't see all different yeah. types of name for it. And we kind of just want to focus in on that because I can just just give you, you know, just a little bit of my story. I think all of us, I mean, we work in this business, so we know some of the signals, but then we don't react to the signals of something that might be going on yeah, within yeah. us when we need to take a break. We, we need to start connecting all the dots and say, oh, this is wrong. You know, we, we don't do that sometimes with our own family. At least I have neglected to do it yes. because I'm focusing on, on so many other things. I grew up in Chicago and we went through changes and things. When I was young, I told people that, uh, I remember cutting up in school a lot, you know, and I was doing that, trying to make friends, you know, cracking Richard Pryor jokes and Red Fox jokes. <laughs> and I was doing all this in school, you know, and they really thought, they said, hey, something must be wrong with this kid. You know, it was a new school, you know, a new neighborhood. I had to make friends some type of way. So they just figured something was wrong, you know. And we didn't look at it too much back then as uh, someone uh, focusing on uh, African-American kids or uh, any other minority with uh, behavior problem. You see the behavior problem, but we didn't look at the uh, ADHD that much or uh, any type of a behavior, you know, that yeah. that can be uh, associated with that. So, how do we how do we really eliminate the stigma of uh, mental health? I think the first thing we need to do is is teach. Um, I think one thing we've all been taught. I was taught as a kid is just adapt. You adapt to your environment. You adapt to what is around you. And we didn't really look at it as a problem. We figured if you were up moving around, you just didn't have no discipline. But reality is, as we get more advanced and we understand more information and we have access to that information, mm -hmm. I think the critical thing is to be able to spread that. Um, understanding how the brain works, how the brain develops, and understanding how trauma as a, a small child can affect you growing up is critical to being able to break that stigma. Um, I think a lot of times we just think, oh, the kid just needs a whooping, the kid's just bad, but... You know, we got to figure out what's going on with this kid. And even doing geriatrics, I've seen the same thing in kids that I've seen in adults. Mm -hmm. What happens at a young age can definitely impact negatively adulthood and even on the geriatric side. So I think just bringing that awareness and understanding of taking time, being patient, talking to people and understanding what they've been through, what they're going through. And if it is mental health related, mm -hmm. understanding how to work with it and accepting the fact that it's okay to not be okay, okay and be able to talk about it and begin to work on it. Yeah. And people, uh, I, I, I don't think they understand it either that, uh, I was talking last week on a podcast about how if you took individuals out of their country, <laughs> brought them in here to America, made, sold them and made them work. These things, a lot of the uh, behaviors passed down through generations. You know, mm -hmm. they were beat. We thought, when, when, I, when I was young, I mean, I was a young parent. I, I started parenting when I was 17 years old. And we thought, you know, that the only way uh, a kid is going to get right is through strict discipline, mm -hmm. you know, and, and using uh, physical discipline on them, too. Not knowing that that thing can be carried on for years, and then you got an adult that's uh, committing certain acts and doing certain things, you're wondering why he did that. With that being said, do you uh, really think that our, um, our mental health, as I talked about the past, is a racism affects the, uh, those who want to get mental health? You know, how we feel, how not just someone races against them, but us against someone else. You know, we might be racist. Uh, or hear that stigma of certain uh, uh, people thinking that, hey, look, I don't think a provider can do this because they don't know me. I don't think, you know, because it seems like in America today, race is brought into everything. Yeah. So 
Um, I I definitely think it plays a it plays a role in it. Um, you know, I think I've heard, I've even heard myself. You, you're not you're not black enough mm-hmm. to help me. You've never been down the road I've been down. You don't know anything about me. And it, it gets frustrating because there's there's a lot of things that overlap in all the cultures, mm-hmm. but we tend to just kind of separate. And if you're black, you got this problem. If you're white, you got this problem. Mm-hmm. But I think if we start to break down those barriers, we start to see that we have a lot of similarities. And, and trauma is trauma. And mental health is mental health. And problems are problems. Mm-hmm. And so if we can learn to just accept the fact that here's an issue, black, white, it doesn't matter. Now, I think also a lot of that, too, becomes comes into play with that mindset, that cultural mindset of, and I, and I see it a lot when I talk with African American. Like there's when you break down different cultures, there's a lot of things that are and are not talked about, mm-hmm. especially in African American culture. That's one thing I think we're seeing an increase, but we still have a lot of room to grow when it comes to talking about prosperity and accepting help. You know, a lot of times we're like, if you if you ask for help, you're weak. You look like like a sucker exactly. or a punk, and mm-hmm. like why are you being so soft? And like, no, it's not to be soft. I just kind of witnessed a lot of people get killed, or you know, I was abused as a child, or I was molested as a child. But you don't need to talk about that. Leave that alone. And then that's another issue too: is we don't. It's, we've always had a lot of us have had the mentality of what happens in the home stays in the home. Mm-hmm. So we don't get out and talk about it. We try to keep that family secret tucked in and we don't want to go ask anybody for help or admit that something bad happened. And therefore you're causing those generations of just issues after issues after issues. Man, you were right on point there. I, I remember in, in um, 2019, I spent a week in the hospital, you know, up in Kansas city and we had one of those processing groups. You know, I knew nothing about people <laughs> using terms and doing things I never heard about. So they said processing. I said, okay, I'll go to that. Man, people were saying some stuff that happened to them as a kid of things they went through as teenagers. I was sitting there saying, what could I come up with? I don't have no, not, not compared to that, you know. It, but it let me know one thing, Chris, that everyone has something they've been through, you know. And as we, as uh, African-American, especially African-American males, we don't want to tell nobody. We don't want to look weak or look like that we're, uh, uh, if you ask for help, that we're weak. Or if you ask mm-hmm. for help, that you're not being a man. You need to stand up and be a man. But sometimes we have problems, too. We have breakdowns also, you know, that we feel sorry. We feel depressed. Uh, uh, one of the main things, you you don't want to hear a man say, uh, not just a black man, men say that they're depressed. You know, mm-hmm. that's one of the stigmas that we have because we say we're depressed. Oh, no, you're a weak man, you know. So um, also um, a few of the things that uh, I had looked at and I uh, researched on the Internet, they said these are some of the top things um, that African-Americans face or some of the things that they have to that affect them as far as getting uh, mental health care, which is racism, poverty, suspicious of white doctors, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, it's just a great uh, stigma anyway in our community when I grew up in Chicago, um, I had, uh, not for mental health, but my uh, medical doctor, he was black, Dr. Jones. I remember him, you know, he was, I remember this old man, He, you know, so it was more common. I mean, it felt better to be able to go to someone that you thought understood you. When I was in the military, some of us, when we, our hair grow, it curls back in, you know, mm-hmm. so I was getting razor bumps all the time, right? And uh, I remember uh, going to this uh, dermatologist in the military, and he telling me it's because I wasn't washing my face right. The other doctor told me it's because I wasn't shaving every day. And, you know, and I finally went to a, a, a doctor 
this brother, you know, that was in the military and uh, told me he's going to teach me how to shave. You're shaving the wrong way. I was young. I was only 18 years old, man. And, you know, I wasn't like I am now to have a beard and everything like that. So, so as I said, I, I grew up in Chicago. When I, up until the fifth grade, I lived in the hood. These things that people be calling the hood now, like Calhoun and a trailer court, that ain't the hood. Suburb. I would have, I would have rather lived there than living when you're sitting out on your porch and all of a sudden somebody starts shooting and this happened and everything like that. So, do you think, or how does poverty affect, you know, like where a person grows up or where they live or anything? Where how does poverty affect them as far as getting mental health or uh, receiving uh, or, or getting away from the stigma also? Well, I think I think part of the issue is one we're not taught to go look when you're when you're living in poverty. Chances are you don't have you don't have insurance, yeah, and I think that's, that's a that's a big issue. Is people think you know if I go get help, that's going to cost me money. I don't have time for that. If I go get help and they got to put me on medication, that's going to cost me money. I don't have time for that. I don't have money for that, and so I think that plays a big role into wanting to go get the help. And then also I think. Um, Typically, when you're when you're dealing with generations of poverty, and that's one thing I've looked at in the areas that I've been in. Um, when you're looking at impoverished areas, you tend to see two to three generations of people live in the same household. So when you're spending that much time together, you have nothing but time to pass those thoughts and the way that you think and those thinking process down to the next generation and to the next generation after that. And so if grandma just believed I just need to pray it out of you and mama believe I just need to pray it out of you, mm-hmm. you just going to grow up believing I just need to pray it out of me. So if I'm acting wrong, that means you're just a heathen. You ain't got mm-hmm. no Jesus in you. We just need to pray it out of you. <laughs> Sometimes the kid got something going on in his head that you right. just need to get a pill that's going to help mm-hmm. balance out those chemicals. Right. And that's something that I think we lack on is, again, it comes down to that knowledge. And when you don't have the resources you don't have the access to the technology, the information. I think that plays a critical role in being able to progress and move forward and be able to make those good judgments. You know what? We are, The thing I found out is that we'll go to the doctor for the diabetes. We get a pill for that, mm-hmm. take insulin. We trust in the doctor. You know, we still, we still want to eat that pork and them greens. So we're going to go to the doctor. Balance it out with go, a pill. Balance it out with a pill, you know, for your heart. You know, all that, lungs, uh-huh. and, you know, we'll go treat every organ or we'll recognize every organ needs help except for the mind. Mm-hmm. And if we don't want to look at that, if, if that I need, it's so hard, I think, for, you know, some of them just to admit, I need help, you know, as a man, as a woman to say, you know, all I got to do is ask, I need help. And with that, when I read earlier about the suspicions of white doctors, or it could be the suspicions of doctors, period, mm-hmm. that may not. Uh, they just want my money. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we think of that, and, and you said for poverty, and not just with the. I I I, I like that about the no insurance because that makes sense. Because a lot of people would say, "Hey man, I, I don't need another bill." Mm-hmm. Even with insurance, we say that though <laughs> nowadays, you know, I I can think about years ago how cheap my insurance was compared to now. You know, you tell somebody you got a forty dollar copay or sixty dollar for for specialists and more for that. You know, people be saying, you got, you know, years ago they would have said that, but that, I remember $20 copays, you know, 15. But uh-huh. I think it's, you know, within the whole realm of it is that I'm building up to another uh, bill that I have to pay. We, uh, as uh, African-Americans, sometimes we don't want that. You know, we don't want to deal with that, may not have it, or, or face a talk, don't be uh, old and nobody nothing you know just like you said with the uh the prayer i i, I missed that 
about praying it out of him. I talk about that all the time. I think people think that, man, this man must not know Jesus like I know Jesus. But yes, I know Jesus. But I know that if we're going to trust, trust, you know, uh, God to lead, what we say then? We say, I'm going to trust God to lead the surgeon. I'm going to, you know, God mm-hmm. going to guide the hands of the doctor, you know. But we don't want to trust the uh, the psychiatrists or psychologists or anything like that. They so just want money. Yeah, they just want to pump us with drugs. Yeah. So, and and as you said already, sometimes appeal may be needed. Mm-hmm. You may have that kid. I've seen some uh, um, kids make some miraculous changes just by balancing out and getting the right medication formula right, and just seeing it just change completely, change the kid to where. <clears throat> He's not trying to co- control his ADHD in class, and that's why he's not doing this work. Mm-hmm. That's why he loses focus and everything. Well, there's a couple things I wanted to hit on, too. I Go think, ahead. I think one of the issues we have is we tend to normalize the behaviors that need to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just say boys will be boys, and we, we just, well, if they're aggressive or violent, we're going to normalize a lot of things that really are, are really problems. Mm-hmm. Hypersexualized behaviors, aggressive behaviors. Even with ADHD, like, we don't really know how to control it, so we just kind of put that normal stigma on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something we got to work on, too, is being able to identify what those problems are. And that's what's nice about being in this field is I can go into a room, I can deal with a kid, and I can watch and observe, and then I can start to pinpoint little things that I can are pretty much textbook to be able to diagnose a kid and see what's going on with them. But I think if we take that normalization away from a lot of these things and we actually start understanding what's going on and not necessarily saying it's good or bad but just being able to understand it it comes back to that knowledge of understanding how things work how the brain works and how mm-hmm. it develops the other issue that we have um is really getting down and breaking down understanding the environment that we're in our bodies are not designed to adapt to the environments that we're in right now mm-hmm. sitting in a car for hours sitting in a classroom for hours mm-hmm we're designed we're we're animals Mm -hmm. you know put a dog in a cage for hours and see how many behaviors you got put a wild animal in a in a cage for hours and see how many issues that you got or try to put them in a box and in captivity and see if those natural behaviors are going to come out and they're going to escalate to a point where you think it's out of control the environment we're in we're not designed to sit at a desk for hours that's why we develop a lot of the issues we have because we're designed to move we're designed to socialize we're animals and when you take away that and that's one issue that i have especially with the school or the school system now is we're training kids what do we tell them when they come to class you're gonna sit down you're gonna shut up you're gonna listen Mm -hmm. that's not how how animals work that's not how humans work we're designed to be interactive and be social so when you take those capabilities away you're altering the way the brain should be developing a kid's Mm -hmm. brain from early childhood up through adulthood should be exploring, learning, talking, being creative, understanding how the world around them works. So when you take that away and shove them in the classroom and just put a sheet of paper in front of them, you're altering the brain ultimately. And so the brain's not able to develop the way it normally would, hence why you have chemical imbalances and you have social issues where they can't talk, they can't function there. Like with me, I know now when I was in school, I know for a fact I had ADHD. I can guarantee it. Yeah. The one thing that curbed it for me, it wasn't a pill. It's the fact that I knew if I acted up, I was getting a You're whooping getting when I go it. home. I promise you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can't even say it was a cure. It was cure enough. 
And see, that's what I believe. I know I had. I, I think I asked my mom not too long ago, and she said, "No, I never." But I know I had it. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, I acted some of the things. You know, as being in a profession that we're in now, I know that I had it. You know, it, but yeah. and I didn't get in trouble for being bad in class. I was. I got in trouble for being busy. I would finish my work, so I would build things, and I would build computers out of paper and mm. cardboard, and I would build buildings, and mm-hmm. I was busy. So mm. I'd get in trouble for getting my work done too fast and being uh-huh. bored, but I didn't want to sit still, so it's like, well, you got to read a book. I, I don't have the attention span to read a book right now. <laughs> my mind is bouncing all over the place, and now yeah. that I'm older and in this field, I'm able to understand that, and I'm able to deal with it as an adult. But as a child, I was just—it was either you getting a whooping or you gonna sit there and be quiet. That's right. That's right. And I guarantee you that did more harm than it did good. And the teachers—they didn't have cell phones when I went to school. Like these kids, I feared I was would have been brought up in this day. But you know, because the teachers back then say, "I'm gonna call your mama tonight." You able to grab that phone as soon as it rings before before your mama answered or your mama went at home. But now they got cell phones, internet, text, mm-hmm. I mean email. They, they're going to get in touch with your mama somehow. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I, I even think about this. You, you mentioned uh, about how uh, people are not designed to sit there all that day. Even with for, during the pandemic, you had kids going back to school. They couldn't even sit next to their peers. They couldn't mm-hmm. make friends. They couldn't talk. They couldn't even talk. You know, you got them got six buried. feet apart. <laughs> you ain't going to get in trouble for talking in. But they had, and I, I think what that, that had a big effect on a lot of kids, I think. Yeah. You know, and you can see it. Uh, I, I have a lot of clients that's in the middle school level, you know, middle school. And you can see it. I had one client that was cutting up uh, in class, doing little things. And he, he really smart, genius. And uh, he told me that... Uh, the reason he's cutting up because he's a hugger, high fiver. You know, like mm-hmm. when he do good, he wants to get a high five or that a boy <laughs> on the back or, or or hug from the teacher. You know, and they can't do that. You mm-hmm. know, and so that affect him mentally. Do you think you know, far as not getting off the subject of BIPOC uh, mental health month? But do you think, like twenty years from now, how is this going to affect our society? I hope it makes it better, but it's it's really hard. I think it's too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's done a lot of damage in the beginning, but I think if we use it right, I think we can make a lot of co- uh, corrections. Um, that's been one of my biggest issues. I don't think kids need to be sitting in school for as long as they do. Right. You, It's one thing if I have recess, if I have times throughout the day where I can let my kids interact and they can build those social skills. Mm -hmm. But it's like we expect them to go sit for an hour at a time for each lesson or each subject. Mm -hmm. Lose all That's a lot of time during the day with those social skills. And if you're like me, you play sports in high school and middle school. So by the time you get out of school, you go play your sports, you do practice, you go to games, you come home. There's like a three-hour span because you had to get up and leave for school at 6 in the morning. Now you get home 7, 38, 30 at night. Where's the interaction time? Where's the skill building time? Where's the, and then you got homework on top of that. And so I think if we utilize what's going on now correctly, I think it has the potential to do good. I think if we go back to the same traditional things that we were using before, I think it's going to do more harm. But I also think now, too, we're starting to realize there's a lot of advantages to this. Mm-hmm. And that's with, with school. I think that's with work. I don't think we've utilized technology the way we're using that. Like, to this it's forced amazing. people to get out of their box. Mm-hmm. It was like Mother Nature was just like, y'all a little too comfortable. Y'all been doing the same <laughs> thing for too long. 
Yeah. Here you go. And no. it was you didn't have a choice, but either you will either you swim or you sink. That's your two options when it came to this. Uh-huh. And I think it forced people to really open their eyes and say, What are we doing? Are we doing good enough? Do we need to change it? But I think if we utilize it correctly, I do think that it has the potential to do a lot of good. As crazy as a pandemic sounds. <laughs> yeah, do, when the uh, this room that we're sitting in right now, when the pandemic started, I don't know, started probably started before then. Yeah. But when it, when we left the office, securing place, they would call it. What is it? Uh, shut in or whatever. I don't know what the shut in is the church, but really uh, <laughs> but when we were not allowed to work in the office and we had to work from home. I thought this is going to be the life. This is going to be easy, man. <laughs> and Zoom taught me something. I had to learn to. Uh, you have to learn to teach kid behavior skills via Zoom. When they Talk can't about focus, the, yeah. When they can't focus, yeah. <laughs> you know they're doing everything else. Somebody walking uh-huh. past in the background, cooking chicken and all that, and you got to worry about that and try to keep their focus. And I sat in this room with just a desk. It ain't like it is now with all this stuff in here. But I had a chair a desk and a computer and I would roll those screens up so I could at least see outside, you know, and it just, it took a toll mm-hmm. on me after a while. When I got back into the, to the office, I was like, man, something I did just recently, Kristen, and this is how I think we need to pay attention to our own mental health. You know, um, me as an African American man, I want to be strong. I want my wife to see me as strong uh, as the strength of the family. You know, I'm yeah. August. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a lion. Some people, I won't say Leo because I lose my Christian, <laughs> Christian uh, population here, you know, listeners. But uh, as a man, period, to be strong like a lion. And uh, just, uh, I told my wife last year, I was just going through so much. I said, I want to go to Carol, well, Tams, Illinois. It's close to Carol, Illinois. Down there, ain't nothing down there. My granddad was down there. That's what my granddad's house was. And a lot of my cousins, we used to go down there in the summer and stuff. Yeah. And my wife said, what do you want to go there for? I said, I just, it's just a feeling of peace. You know, I, I feel at peace because I needed peace. And so I end up not going. And I don't know where we end up doing, just driving to Manhattan and back or something like that. But sometimes we, as not just as men, as human beings, we need that thing to where we go back to where something is going to help us. We go back to like, not, when I say go back, we, we go back mentally, but we got to go back and uh, we got to go to a place of, uh, of just where we feel comfortable, where we feel at peace. Cause we, we got to know when it's rising. When, yeah, when it's yeah. getting up there, you got to know. And you, you know what I'm talking about? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And so I just went there uh, uh, last month. I found it. I just wanted to breathe the air again. Look at the hills, look at the, uh, the crops out there. Look at my grandfather's house because I always thought it's that place of the place of peace and, and serenity. Yeah. You know, how does that affect us now? Those who need that break, you know, what, what do we tell them? I mean, what do we do to get them? Cause you know, we got loved ones. We got friends that really need a break. The biggest thing that I preach is you've got to do it. And the hardest part is I got to practice what I preach. Mm-hmm. I'm very good at telling everybody else what to do. Exactly. Terrible at doing it myself. And so I tell you, got to force yourself to do it. You've got to make the time. If you don't have the time, make the time. We all got the same amount of time. You might lose a few hours of sleep, but if that means you got to hit the road and go somewhere for a little bit, do it. But Mm -hmm. it's going to benefit you in the long run. The more you stay in an environment and stress yourself out, you're losing sleep, you're not eating, you're not drinking water, you're not, you're just stressed and overwhelmed, it's going to do a lot of damage in the long run. What are some of the signs that... 
you, you said losing sleep, not drinking so, water. Fatigue, mm-hmm. chronic headaches, and these are all, I'm, everything out of the list. You is probably something I've been through. Okay, exactly. Um, you get physical body aches. Um, your body is drained. Your mind starts to wander. You get stress knots in your neck, in your shoulders, in your back. Um, you don't want to get up. There's mm-hmm. days where you're like, I, I enjoy my job, I enjoy my family, but I just want to stay in bed. I have no motivation outside of I have to do this to get up. And sometimes that happens for days or weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Or you start getting frustrated and you just start snapping on people. You go off. Right. That's one thing that helped me notice is when people are like, you're not acting like yourself. That's when I know I'm at my boiling point. And it may be something I don't recognize right away, but other people notice it. Right. And so I talk to people. If you're close to me, tell me if you think I'm acting weird. Tell me if I'm acting different. Tell me if I'm a little more reserved than I normally am. Tell me if I seem to be getting a little more cranky, a little more angry than I usually do. If that's the case, and I know I'm at that point. And then also knowing what kind of thing are setting you off. So like when I was in school, everybody knew at the end of the semester for about two weeks for that time, that finals time, don't call me, don't text me, <laughs> don't email me, don't send me smoke signals. I'm going to work and I'm coming home working on papers and that's mm-hmm. it. But I knew that if people bothered me or if I allowed people to interact with me, it's going to affect our relationship at some point. And so because I knew I was under a ton of stress, I just need to do my thing. And then after that, you can talk to me. You come over, hang out. I'll decompress. Yeah. But I knew that was a a time of the year or that was a season or a point where I knew I had to take a break. I had to do what I had to do and then move forward with it. You just said something that uh, really struck something that. Have someone there, people that know you. Yes. And I have people. I have people I work with and family members that know me. And you know those people. You know the people that work with me. And I ask them sometimes, am I acting right? Am I okay? And there's nothing wrong with that to ask someone. Are you acting? Or they may tell me, you know, because I'm always amped, they say, mm-hmm. you know, up here. <laughs> say, bruh, I, it's been time I've been in. I'll say, look, you're going to have to slow down. You're gonna have to come, and so we need people in our lives yes. to be able to tell us that know us that we're not ashamed to share with you know and say, hey, look, I have this. I act like this when I'm feeling this way, you know. So when you see me, you know, and, and you, we got to be uh, strong enough not to get mad when someone does this. And then, um, but you got to recognize those signs yourself too. Mm-hmm. Um, know when you're getting okay. upset. Know when you're getting angry. Know when you're getting too exhausted. You know, I, I, I thought I'd tell people, I, I, I can tell I'm get like, when I get mad because my change ain't coming out the machine fast enough, you need to take yeah, a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no, because it came out two seconds too late. Nah, uh-huh. you, you need to take a break because it's more than that. You got too much going on. Go take a time out. Go get you some ice cream. Go, go for a bike ride. Go mm-hmm. by the lake. You need to go get some stress off real quick. I did uh, a few weeks ago. I wanted... Not that I eat it often. I wanted. I have been craving for months a McDonald's cheeseburger. This McDonald's. I didn't want Hardee's. I didn't want Burger King. I didn't want nobody but McDonald's. And I went, and the line was all the way back to the street. That's true, but yeah. the lobby was open. <laughs> I go in the lobby. It's only three people there, but those three are waiting and been there a long time. And that stress level just built up just because I wanted that cheeseburger. I just said, forget it, and mm-hmm. I left. You know, and so the little, like you say, the little things when they start building up and bothering you, change ain't coming out the machine, the cars are not moving fast mm-hmm. enough in front of you, little things. I've been to the point that I've been so stressed 
But I get mad if I got too many emails. Mm-hmm. The person, you just email me, email me again, email me. You know that you don't want to read all those emails and everything. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, closing this out, Kristen, um, talked about it a little bit earlier. But what can we do to move past the shame and the stigma of uh, mental health? I think one making it normal to accept help needs to be a critical component. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two. I mean, obviously, the education part, not just about mental health, but encouraging people to get into it um mm-hmm. i think we're short on therapists there ain't enough therapists in the world i know because i've had caseloads that have been off the chain high mm-hmm. and so encouraging people to not only admit if they have issues but get into the field and and work with people even if it's a part-time thing even if you're volunteering you know just find a way to help and make it normal and help people to understand the benefits of it i don't think we truly understand how beneficial it can be um, and like I said, when you look at it as a bad thing is, oh, you need help or, oh, you're acting this way or, oh, you got to take medication for this. You're a bad person or mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you. No, sometimes that's just a part of life. And so I think just really making it normal, making people understand, making people aware of it um, and making it realistic. It's not like you see in the movies of, mm-hmm. oh, this person has bipolar. So there are some crazy person that's going on to kill. That's no, that's all fiction that's hyped up for entertainment purposes so getting to the real understanding of how this works what things are i think is really going to knock out a lot of that that stigma all right thank you Kristen. i really appreciate it appreciate you uh, it's good seeing you again <laughs> man like, like like i say we go way back you know working together dealing with the same kids together and i appreciate it. i'm proud of all the uh those who may not know Christian got more degrees than a thermostat <laughs> and you know and he stays like you say stays focused you know get the school work in and do that and uh, uh and respected by many so I appreciate that and I thank you I appreciate you having me all right <laughs> all right thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening I'm glad that you tuned in today to listen and listen from the beginning to the end and I appreciate that now if you want to reach me You can reach me at BigDog0862 at me.com. BigDog0862 at me.com. That's my email address. You can also reach me by phone at 785-307-4662. You can leave a message there. You can reach me on the internet. Just type my name into any search engine, any search engine. And the way you do that is just type in Antonio the Mayor Tims, Antonio the Mayor Tims. Most of all, appreciate when you listen on YouTube because you can leave a message there. You can leave a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You can leave a like or dislike. You can leave a comment, but most of all, you can subscribe. So please continue to listen to me and continue to support this show that focuses on experience, strength, and your hope. Thank you. Have a good day. Be blessed. Be nice, but be real most of all.